0: Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast, the podcast that will help you embrace, grow, and be transformed by the transitions of life. Now here's your host, Debbie Ronka.
1: Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast. I'm Debbie Ronka, your host. And you know, I've always shared with you that we always experience a variety of transitions in life. Well, today, I want to cover the transition of parenthood, but specifically on becoming a father. You know, we may not think of becoming a father as a transition in life, but it truly is one of the biggest moments in a man's life. There's that sense of the unknown, the measure of fears about becoming a father, wondering if you're ready. How will this change my life? How will I care for this new life? That's coming into the world. A lot rests on the shoulders of a father. This quote on fatherhood says The nature of impending fatherhood is that you are doing something that you are unqualified to do, and then you become qualified while doing it. John Wilmot shares that before I got married, I had six theories about raising children, and now I have six children and no theories. I think, gosh, we can relate to both of those. We don't feel qualified, and we all think we're going to know what we're going to do until we get in the moment, and some of those theories get put to the side. I think every father out there can relate to the enormity of becoming a father, feeling the inadequacies, and eventually finding their own rhythm and the way of being a dad. Well, today, I have two young fathers on my podcast, Tom Ashton and Sam Miller and both are amazing professionals in the marketplace, and both are fathers of young children. I've asked them to come on and share their own personal experience, their struggles, and how they have embraced fatherhood. So welcome, Sam, and welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for being with me today on the Transition Bridge Podcast.
0: Thanks for having us, Debbie. Yes, thank you.
1: Well, I'm glad you're here. And, um. I would love before we start, you know, Tom, why don't you share with us about your beautiful wife, Nicole, and how old your children are. And Sam, do the same with Katie and your children.
2: Thanks, Debbie. Yeah. So um, I have uh, been married for uh, probably 12 years now. We, my wife, Nicole, and I have a daughter, Sloan, who is eight. And we have a son, Max, who is six.
3: Cute. Good ages. Debbie, Debbie, Katie and I have been married for eight years and we
0: have three kids, Lucy, who's five, Jane, who's three and George, our youngest, who is nine months old.
1: Ah, you guys both have a quiver full. I love it. And I love the ages of your children. And you're really so like fresh in a way of becoming a father. And that's why I wanted you to come on. Because I think it's still fresh in your mind, fresh in your heart. Uh, when you found out the day that you were becoming a father, I think there's nothing more insightful than to really hear straight from the heart of a father and how you embrace this transition in your life. So um, you guys just, you know, talk as you feel led, but take us back to that moment when you both found out uh, that you were going to be a father. and. How that impacted you?
3: Well, I, <clears throat> Tom has a great story. And one, uh, I feel like we kind of walked through
0: when he found out who's going to be a dad. But I'll, I'll start. Um, our our kids um, kind of love to hear, or at least Lucy and Jane, uh, the story of when we found out that Katie was pregnant. And with, with Lucy, uh, our first, uh, we... Katie and I love to travel still do don't get the chance to do so as much anymore, but we uh, took a really fun trip to, to Asia and uh, we were in China and we were in Western China by, by uh, in an area close to Tibet. And it was, it was a beautiful place and we were hiking all day and we got back to the hotel and Katie said she felt a little funny. And so before getting back to our hotel, we stopped at a, at a very country uh, pharmacy. And our Chinese guide went in and got a uh, pregnancy test that was in Chinese. And so <laughs> got back to the hotel. Katie came out of the bathroom and we saw this test with some very funny, non-traditional characters on it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We used Google Translate on the instruction manual in Mandarin to try to understand what the test meant. And I think after about 10 minutes, we realized she was pregnant. um, Oh, my
3: gosh.
0: (laughs) Completely changed the trajectory of our trip. But Lucy loves to hear the story about uh, us going up and down a valley through a scary river um, when we first found out that she was inside Katie's belly.
1: Oh, that is so sweet. And, you know, there's something – Something about our kids, they love to hear those stories. That that's really unique, Sam. Oh my gosh. You had to figure out what it said in Mandarin. It's not like here in the yeah. States where it's, you know, it just changes colors <laughs> and you it know wasn't if you're two lines. Oh my Yeah, it wasn't just gosh. two lines.
0: It was something it was something a little bit more unique. So like, that was do, fun.
1: Do you remember what it said?
0: Um <laughs> You I know. Mean, I think Katie actually kept the, the, the pregnancy test. I don't remember what it said. I just remember it requ- requiring some uh, some investigation.
1: That is so cool. Well, how about you, Tom?
3: Um.
2: Well, uh, when we first uh you know you know started that we were gonna be having wanted to have children um or to, uh, you know start to start that we uh it took a, us a while to actually get pregnant. Um so it was a little stressful especially on my wife. Um we did see a fertility clinic and it took us a, about better part of a year before we finally got the good news that we were um, my wife was pregnant with our daughter Sloan. Aww. So you know it was it was it was kind of it wasn't the traditional just kind of found out along the way it was you know we were just kind of kind of consumed by the process going visiting the doctor Kind of, you know, kind of adjusting methods along the way to try to see if we could, if this could happen, because it was a little unsure along the way. And we were hoping we were going to have we weren't going to have to do anything more invasive, but we finally got to that point. And remember, I'll never forget going into the, into the doctor's office and confirming that, um, you know, my wife was pregnant because my wife and the uh, the technician that she's been working with for a while. Just both started breaking down when they found out, and it was just it was just so happy for us because it was it took us so long to get to that point. So uh, with Sloan, it was you know really much more kind of dramatic and emotional. With my son Max, that was kind of more like oh we're pregnant again. <laughs> it was a lot easier and uh, a little bit more unexpected. So it was there were just two very contrasting kind of emotions, I would say. Two different.
1: That's a great way to. You know, share that It's like two different surprises, but they came in two different ways and Wow right. what a what a time of yeah. celebration for both of you, yeah, yeah, I love that and I should share with our audience uh these guys are also good friends, by the way, so I'm sure they're gonna have some inside stories, <laughs> yeah <laughs> about each um, other along the way so <laughs>
2: okay. uh, if, if you ever like i've I've heard this you know along the way, it's like uh you know becoming a father. It's hard to grasp that concept until after the baby's there and, you know, even further down the line when they become less attached with the the mother or the mom. Um, And so I was just so happy for my wife when we found out. And I still still at the time was like having a hard time grasping with the concept that I was actually a father or becoming a father at that point.
3: You know, that
1: really makes sense because like in the beginning, the mother... You know, has so much responsibility for feeding and all of that. And the father, at first, I think is more like, oh my gosh, the baby's here. Like, now yeah. what? You know? So let me ask both of you what has surprised you about becoming a father? It's like what you just shared, Tom, that, you know, we think one thing, our wives are pregnant, but then the baby arrives and then begins the lack of sleep, the uh, lack of routine. Were there certain things that you thought uh, would be part of of being a father? Anything surprise you?
3: You Yeah, I think um,
0: what Tom said is so true. (laughs) Even if you think you're ready, you never are ready until until the baby shows up. I think the biggest shift, which I intellectually knew would take place, but it wasn't really prepared for. was just the ego shift in your 20s it's kind of all about you um and maybe that's a generational thing but uh it it's amazing once you have kids how the entire focus shifts away from you and towards your kids um and it's it's a wonderful thing but I, it's uh i just feel like that's the responsibility that's the load that's the weight of realizing that your life is no longer uh <laughs> just about you or your wife or the people around you it's about raising these completely helpless uh, human beings and and trying to uh, you know inculcate them the best way you can
3: Um, yeah yeah
2: I you know agree with your sentiment Sam that that you feel like you're this you know kind of ordinary person like an ordinary kind of man and then like overnight you're this hero figure to these children and you have to. By the role of a hero, a teacher, you have to be like clowny and you're just this role model overnight, and the weight of that uh, is a little difficult at times, but uh it's, it's, it's such a great, great feeling to have um, when you' are when your children are just looking up to you as this kind of like hero-like you know figure sometimes.
0: Um, a little intimidating, uh, and that's why yeah. I think the phrase uh, "fake it till you make it" <laughs> comes into play.
2: I would I would say that the, the surprise, Debbie, that you asked, I'll never forget, like, when you're at your hospital, you know, you've got, you know, you're in, you know, you know, the postpartum, you know, you know, wing of the hospital, and you've got so much help, there's nurses there, you're, you know, there's so many people hovering over you, and they say, like, okay, your time's up, you know, everything's good, time to leave the hospital, and they give you the baby, and you drive the baby home. I was like are you kidding me you're just going <laughs> to give me this child like and like I don't have to go to a class I don't have anybody to look like it's just that's it I was like that was the most scary thing in my entire life driving home just thinking I can't believe that just gave me this child <laughs> to take care of you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's the truth we don't get a, a manual we get nothing Oh yeah. my gosh, that is scary. So, okay, so uh, I have a quote here from uh, Sigmund Freud who says, "I cannot think of any need in a childhood as strong as a need for a father's protection." And so, as fathers, you are the protectors and like Tom, I can just imagine in that car like, what do I do? How do I protect this kid? Like, how do I take care of it and I I think one of the first things like in a man's heart is to be the defender, the protector. So thinking about like seeing your children as babies, did you look down into the future? Like, were you starting to think, how will I protect my little girl? How will I uh, protect my son and help him a- become a young man? Did you have thoughts like that?
2: Um, yes. I mean, I, I think I-, I can't, I had so many thoughts, you know, time, I think, um I relied on like heavily on I mean my wife was fantastic as you know, you know, especially like, you know, when they were infants, I relied heavily on her, took her lead on kind of like make sure, you know, what to do and when to stay out of the way, when to get involved, you know, more. Um but I did have a lot of thoughts because um I have brothers, I have three brothers and I have, you know, you know, no I have real no experience with you know, you know, daughters or sisters along the way. And so finding out our oldest, our first, um, um, was a girl, a lot of those kind of things kind of started to to seep in, I guess. How am I going to handle her dating? How am I going to handle like this? And then I just said, that's just too much. I have to focus on what's happening right in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Let's
1: just change the diapers and get this thing going. (laughs) Right.
2: Right.
0: I know Tom's point's a great one. It's it, you know, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a kid. And I think the first step in getting into that mentality is, is people around you going through that transition. Um, I will never forget uh, at Papado's, you know, Tom and I are really close telling me that that they were going to have a kid. And it was like, the gravitas of that in, you know, my close friend becoming something more than, you know, just a, a successful employee and a husband, but being responsible for a kid helped me get into that mindset uh, that I would eventually, you know, use to, to become a father myself four four years down the road. Um, and it doesn't happen in a vacuum i feel like that's that's the beauty of having uh good friends um around you who are in the same stage of life as you get to witness them going through that transition um and, and it helps you prepare yourself
3: yeah
2: i'm sorry go ahead
1: no 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 go 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 ahead
2: uh yeah i was saying uh, just that uh i feel like i i use Sam a lot to uh um as like a you know sounding board for all of my insecurities about being a father and having kids. Sometimes my wife would have second kid. my wife called me in the middle of the work day <laughs> and said, guess what? I'm pregnant. And I said, what? You can't just lay like just unload that me right in the middle of the day. And I went down to Sam's office and I shut the door and I was like, Nicole's pregnant again. And he's like, he was on the phone and he goes, I'll call you right back. And he hung up <laughs> the phone and he shut the door. and I just kind of just like sat there and I was just like deer in headlights again. Just like, they're going to go through this again. And I get home and my wife's like, don't tell anybody. Cause we got, can't, you know, we got to confirm this is and I, confirm this and everything. And I said, too late. I've already told Sam. <laughs> yeah,
1: too late, too late. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys had each other too. Like, cause that is a shock, right? You, you struggled for a while to get pregnant. and Now you, you, you've got Sloan and then all of a sudden, Oh my gosh. Like, the surprise. I love it. So Tom, you mentioned something about like the fears and that, that's what I would love for both of you to share with our audience, because I think every, uh, young man that's listening right now, that's becoming a father, you know, maybe they're going to be a father soon, or they know one day that's going to happen. Um, can you just share some of the anxieties, the fears that you had, how you dealt with that? How maybe could it be possible that the fears were more magnified than they should have been? Why don't you both share?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know. I don't think those feelings ever really go away. I think they just change during the different stages of of you know of the of the of the children, right? You know, when they're infants, you know, the fear was like they're helpless and they're one hundred percent dependent upon you and the mother um you know just making sure that they're healthy and and then they when they start moving around then you're then you go into full dad mode i felt like when you're like i am gonna just protect and secure off this house i felt like that was my first like major responsibility as a father to cover cover every edge and get every outlet protected and just baby proof this house entirely um You know, and then they start to grow up a little bit more and like they're, they have, there's a bunch of social issues that they're dealing with that they're looking to you for guidance on. And then it gets, it's a little bit complex at that point because you start to see their personalities come in and you're trying to understand them as well as understand how you should react to it. Do I, you know, do I go in, you know, uh, you know, really soft and walk them through that? Do I let them handle it themselves? Um, and so if this is, you know, a lot of those times you just, you kind of, you know, I consult my wife sometimes like saying, Are we, am I doing this the right way? Am I, you know, am I disciplining my kids the right way? There's a lot of questions that go into it. And so just can, kind of continuous, like, you know, I'm growing up as a father, um, you know, every day, is, you know, with my kids as they're growing up as well, because the situation is just constantly changing. You're just, you're kind of catching up with it along the way.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a principle that um, is applicable in a lot of in a lot of different um, sort of paradigms in your life, which is that <laughs> life is overwhelming, and if you focus on all the problems all at the same time or all the challenges all at the same time, it can be paralyzing. So I feel like a big part of being a dad is is triaging and saying, uh, you know, I, I got to kind of put one step in front of the other and focus on what I can control um and kind of deal with the challenges as they come um and and then you know i think you know like tom said you're second guessing yourself all the time and and finding that balance between i think a lot of parents rely on instinct to to discipline their kids and to like to be the right parent and to use all the lessons that your parents and your community pass on to you but then there's also times where you realize i need outside help like i need to read a uh you know some some parenting books, or I need to listen to a professional to deal with a particular issue. And so it's that balance of using your instinct and, and listening, relying on your community and professionals and, and, and just kind of uh, moving, moving forward the best you can.
1: Gosh, you both shared so much insight there. And one of the things that I picked up um, with, with Tom is that when you kept going to Nicole, you, you, know, you become a team as a husband and wife, when you have children, you're no longer just individuals, but you have to become a team to, you know, ask those questions. Am I doing this right? How should we handle this? What is the best way to discipline? And then Sam, how you share going back to the village, how important that is, how much we need uh, even other people's feedback, their, their knowledge about parenthood, either through a book or talking to people who are have gone before you that have older children that can look back and say, Oh yeah, this is kind of typical of a three-year-old. This is what you can kind of look for. This is how we handled it. And, you know, we can't be isolated parents. Can we, we, we need each other.
2: Of course. Yeah. I mean, there's times where like, I mean, you know, you can tell like, you know, one parent's dealing with a lot with the kids and just, they got a short fuse and you got to kind of step in just to kind of give them a break about some things. And it's a, uh, you know, it's always, it's like you said, it's a, it's always a balancing act, right. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a, um, you know, and it, it's it's important too, to make sure that, you know, each parent gets time to take care of themselves and take, you know, and, and get, and get a bit of a break. So they're in the right state of mind, you know, um, along the way, because this. It's always a challenge.
1: That's true. I mean, that's one thing I know personally myself, I had no idea how much my time would be affected. I thought when I was became a mother, I was going to be able to do A, B, and C. Like I was going to be able to do all of this and take care of my children. And I realized it was all turned upside down. And the time that I thought I would have was no longer there. It was devoted to the needs of the child. And it really is an adjustment. And to be able to understand our spouses when they need that rest and they need time to step away, to refuel so that they can come back. I think that's wisdom on your part. So I have yeah, this. Yeah, I think
0: that, oh, sorry, Debbie. No,
1: go ahead, Sam. I want to hear yeah, your I think perspective. The,
0: the, the concept of, uh, of personal time is something that before kids seems finite but I think after you have kids, your personal time, it just becomes relative. I remember having our first kid and I was um, talking with somebody who had four kids and I said, I, with one kid, feel like I have no personal time. And he goes, that's what I felt like Then I had my second kid and whatever my concept of personal time was got divided in half and then it got divided in half again. And it's it, it's amazing because you just kind of redefine your concept of, of what your personal time is and what... Uh, your 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 freedom is uh but y- your heart kind of finds a way to to latch on to you know your beautiful kids and and to grow and to and to multiply um and uh it, it's just it's it's a it's a perspective shift that happens organically and it's it's pretty amazing
1: I love how you share that because it's true uh we change parenthood changes us um Things that we thought were important kind of get you know put aside because there's something more important in front of us, and so we have to not resist that, but I think embrace it and and we grow through it as we're being transformed, becoming parents, because as you shared, Tom, it changes with every season from the time they're infants, they need certain things from us, and as they're growing. They're going to need more from us. And your kids are a little closer to, you know, some of those social issues that are going on. They will have questions and how we need to be prepared as parents with our core values of what we believe and how we want to create that culture in our family. You know, we talk about cultures in the environment of a business, but even more so in a family. Um, How are you creating a culture? for your family? Have you defined anything? Are you still creating that? Do you have thoughts towards that?
3: Good question. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's a deep yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, if
2: I, I think that, um, I mean, you know, this, I still I feel like we're even inherited some of the cultures from my, from my wife's family, maybe
3: mm-hmm. like
2: there, you know, and and you can relate to this they're you know uh you know a, a, a strong italian family and so that that culture um it kind of permeates pretty well um and uh so i feel like we're in, like inheriting some of that but i feel like there was often times where you know like you said maybe creating some things and traditions within our family that might be our own is probably what you know we might be trying to do right now a little bit um and so so yeah i mean if that if that if that if that answers your question um
3: you know that's okay. kind of where we're at yeah no that's great right?
0: i think uh it becomes more creating traditions and in, and in, in establishing your family's kind of ethos and culture becomes more and more important the older your kids get you know with my three-year-old it's it's kind of whack-a-mole but with our five-year-old she's starting to ask bigger questions and I think something that we try to focus on a lot is, you know, if uh, she, she's focused on what, you know, what am I good at daddy? Like if she loses, like, you know, a, a silly swimming competition or a, a, we had a father daughter dance and she didn't want to do the limbo because she was afraid she wouldn't win. And just talking to her about how the most important thing in the world uh, is your heart and staying sweet, staying tender. Um and uh, treating people with kindness. I think instilling that sort of overarching uh, set of principles that will help her contextualize the world around her and the challenges that she sees through her five-year-old eyes is, uh, is, our, is our focus right now.
1: That's powerful. And actually, I have that down here, the power of affirmation. You know, as parents, when we get our children, we have this, this life that, we have the opportunity to shape, to impart, to, to speak life into. And our children are always trying to understand who they are and their identity. And that power of affirmation, which is something that I really believe in so much because we all have that question mark inside of us. Like, who am I? Does my life have value or purpose? And even as a little kid, we just, we have those insecurities. We just need to know we're okay, or you're beautiful, you're smart. Like calling out our children's um, characteristics, calling out their gifts, letting them know. Like if um, if I see a young child who loves to be in the kitchen, like uh, one of my granddaughters, and she just, Nana, I want to help you. Like she wants to help me make a salad, but she's like four years old. <laughs> And so like I'll let her pull the stool over and I'll like give her what she can do, like maybe break up the lettuce. But then I'll look at her and I I think and I'll tell her, you know what, you're probably going to be a great cook one day. And, you know, they have this thing called a gift of hospitality. Maybe that'll be you. You'll, You'll like to have people come to your house. And I'll just throw phrases out like that to maybe instill in them. Oh, that could be me. And to even begin to recognize things about themselves. So, you know, even on a spiritual basis, um, Jesus was affirmed by his father. While he walked the earth and he was being baptized, his father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so I really believe affirmation is powerful and it can create a beautiful culture within our homes. So. And I can I could see both of you doing that, you know, seeing seeing the strengths and the giftings in your child. So if you were to just give a shout out to your kids, what you see in them right now on this podcast, what would you say?
0: I would uh, I would tell Lucy that, again, Lucy's the five year old. She's the oldest. I would tell her that she is. Her strongest characters are that she is caring and tender and sweet and that she's smart. Um, and that she gives 110% in everything she puts her mind to, I would tell Jane, our three-year-old, she has an, uh, a, uh, a joy that cannot be, uh, put out, uh, that just radiates, uh, wherever, wherever she goes. And I would tell George to never stop smiling, the, the nine month old.
1: <laughs> That's a good one.
0: He's um, teasing right now. He's he's in a smiley face.
1: <laughs> Sweet.
2: Um, yeah, for me, Sloane is, uh, she's our kind of busy body at home. It, uh, um, she's strong, very active, and is got a, just um, you know, just like, you know, friends with everybody kind of personality. And that's something we've really tried to, you know, make sure that she is, you know, you know, kind of. resonates really hard really strong with her she's very respectful and i just i want her to you know to kind of keep that up as she goes through her tween years um max is just he's a sweet funny kind kid and um you know wants to do um kind of any activity that pops into his mind and um and as well as kind of uh you know you know know, enjoy his time with his friends as well and and i um you know really love the fact that he's uh, just kind of come into his own and kind of stepped out of his sister's shadow a bit right now. So I just want them to kind of keep that up as well.
1: I like how you share the sister shadow. <laughs> He's becoming his own little man. I love what you both said about your children, that obviously you're very observant and you see those things in them. And I would encourage you to continually call them out to remind them uh, like in other words, like my grandson the other day we were going somewhere. We're Actually, it was so simple, trying to decide which ice cream place we were going to. And he came up with this idea that actually solved the problem. And I looked at him and I said, Kellen, you know what? You are a problem solver. That was the best idea. Now I know what we need to do. So it's like little phrases like that, that actually will cause our children to kind of stand up stronger and... uh it, it'll it give them a sense of confidence and strength.
2: And yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. Debbie. No,
1: no, go ahead, Tom.
2: Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say like the, um, uh, one of the, you know, my, my son is like son specifically how observant they are. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, like I'll be driving home and he can, uh, I won't be paying attention and he'll tell me I'm going the wrong way, you know, or I, or, or he'll, He'll pick up on something that I said two weeks ago about something else, like some store, and he'll remember it, like every, like every little detail of that. And he'll <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong along the way. And it's just, to me, it's like things like that are just like kind of blow my mind. And I tell him the some, some same things, Like you are such a smart kid. I I barely remember that situation. Um, and uh, again, like I said, positive affirmation is important for confidence and you know, um, and then making sure that the kids start to do the things that they enjoy doing and they feel, and, they, and then it's not just kind of maybe what their friends might be doing at the time.
1: That's great. I love that you affirmed him right then and there, you know, that he's so observant. He's probably a little detailed guy. It <laughs> sounds like too, yeah. uh, you know, it's, as go ahead. I was just
0: say it's so funny the way that parent, your parents' reactions start to shape kids identities Mm -hmm. when they're growing up and it it almost creates a narrative and it's something we're cognizant of because our our middle child jane is hilarious objectively funny and we laugh at almost everything she does and we have to be careful about that because uh over the past couple months lucy our oldest says why do you laugh at jane more than me am i not as funny as jane and so it's just it's an amazing thing that your kind of reflexive reactions to your kids start to build their identity and being conscious of that affirmation, helping them uh, enforce their strengths so that they can stand up tall. Like you said, Debbie, is uh, that was a surprise as a parent is is once they start to form their identities, their little identities, recognizing how big of a role you play in and uh, then understanding themselves and their strengths. And and their weaknesses. I think it's it's a really uh, challenging thing to tell a five year old, you know, it's okay to lose. It's okay to not be uh, the best at something. You have to practice and get better at it.
1: Boy, they struggle with that, don't they?
0: Oh, they do. There's such a big
1: connection between winning and their identity and they feel like a failure for some reason if they don't win. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where does that come from? It's tough. We yeah, when, deal we deal with that with our grandson, and you know, it, yeah, it's, it's hard.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, that's a difficult one, and that's you know, you know, it's, I mean that's a struggle I think that I have um, trying to, you know, let I me mean, tell them you know try your best, you know, um, you know, make sure you have fun, don't get wrapped up in winning or losing, um, but you see how crushed they can get sometimes. Um, but you got to, you just got to keep pressing forward. Did you have fun today? Did you enjoy playing whatever sport or whatever it was with your, with your friends? Um, you know, just, you know, letting them know, like, just keep moving forward is, is, uh, um, you know, regardless of winning or losing, you know, is the important thing. Don't quit, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of things, just get them over that hump to when they realize that they keep trying, they're going to get better. Um, and they're going to really start to enjoy what they're, what they're trying to do if it's important to them.
1: Yeah, I love that, bringing back the joy uh, mm-hmm. of what it is that they're doing. And and it's probably all good to say, you know what, we didn't win, but, you know, I, I watched how you kicked that soccer ball. That was really strong. Like maybe try to bring in a, a positive of, that they did. And, um, yeah, you guys, I'm telling you, you are the role models. You are role models for your children in the way uh, that you handle situations, the way that you're guiding them. And I have this quote here that says, "My father didn't tell me how to live; he lived, and he let me watch him do it." How does that make you feel?
0: Uh, Beautifully said. Um, I think I think actions speak a lot louder than words with with little kids who watch everything you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, when you when you see your kids uh, act out. And and use, you know, a tone that you don't necessarily appreciate, you have to ask yourself, is that coming from me? And it's a great reminder that that uh, you're being emulated constantly. And so treating your kids with kindness, uh, controlling your emotions, making sure that uh, you you react in a way in which you want your kids to react is a constant battle.
1: And is there like they can be a little mirror of us? Oh you know 100%. And then we're like, "Whoops! did I just do that? Did I say that? Did I do that?"
2: <laughs> yeah, that that's that's such a that's such a challenge and, you know, sometimes, you know, whether you're dealing with them directly or you're or they're just in the room present and just watching you if I'm talking with my wife or talking with somebody else and I'm, you know, like then I may not be using the best language or best tone or, you know, being, you know, or or being as um, you know, be as respectful as I'd want them to see me being at times, and you just look over and they're just watching you and then you realize that they just were you just gave them some impression that you may not be the best and so you I'm always having to check myself if i get you know if i get uh you know you know you know, you know too too stressed about something and making sure you, I'm in a good state of mind before I you know speak to my children or you know or discipline them because um it can really, you know, it can really be tough sometimes if you're not in the right space yourself.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we're constantly role models and sometimes we just forget. And it is, it's like, a, I found this funny quote from Ed Sheeran. He said, "Father, fatherhood helped him change his bad habits. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> I think that's so true. Sometimes the things that we do, we just are, are fine for us, but you know, it may not be a good thing to teach to our children because our children will model what we do, not necessarily the things that we say, and that is a challenge, isn't it? We're constantly looking at ourselves. You know, what could I do? What could I change? I have got little ears. I've got little eyes around me, so I, I know that's a a real challenge. Yeah,
2: there's a, there's a quote that says it's um. I don't know if this is exactly what it is, but it's like fathering is what perfects a man, mm. which is really true. I mean, I, I mean, you start, you don't really see your own fault until you realize that these young, impressionable, impressionable children are, are watching and emulating them sometimes. So <laughs>
3: you have to really,
2: really pick at yourself to be better, I guess, um, when your children are, you know, when you're watching your children grow up.
1: No, I like that because it's true. We 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 just start realizing the impact that we have or the responsibility that we have as parents, especially as fathers, what our children will see and they will emulate what we do. I love how you shared that, Tom. That's a great quote. It's so true. It's so true. So I, I have a, a final question for you guys. I'm going to read a couple quotes and then I have. A question for you. So, you each have a daughter and a son. So, a daughter needs a dad to be the standard against which she will judge all men. And for your sons, behind every young boy who believes in himself is a father who believed in him first. To be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. So how would you each want to be found in your children's
3: memories down the road? Those are great,
2: great quotes. And um, I mean, I think they they, they kind of sum it up really perfectly. Right. I mean,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, I want my
3: daughter to know that I was supportive. um, And, you know guided her to be,
2: you know, as a respectful young lady and to make sure that she, um, finds somebody in her life that, uh, treats her as well as she deserves to be
3: treated. Mm-hmm. And, um, for my son,
2: again, I want him to grow up to be a confident young man that knew I was supportive as well and, um, kind of guided him to do the things that, um, that he
3: knows that he could do best. Um, You know, and so it's,
2: um, you know, right now I feel like they—that's what we're both trying to achieve as as parents, me and my wife—to make sure that our kids are are confident and and um, and very and respectful, you know, you know, young people right now.
3: That's a beautiful goal. I love
1: what you're doing and instilling in both of them. And how would you want them to remember you? How would you want them to be? How would you like to be found in the memories, their memories of you as a father?
0: I, I, I think it, what a profound question, Debbie. I think that, um, you know, when everything is said and done, when, when Katie and I are gone, I want our kids to remember that we established a North Star for them, uh, that they recognize that life is ephemeral um and that
3: um that love and love for god and um
0: uh kindness and treating people with respect is more important than the rat race it's more important than winning um and that that the heart is is the most uh is the most valuable thing
3: that they have and uh you know I think that's, that's something that we work with
0: verbally all the time. Uh, But like you said, it's kids, kids pay attention to your actions. And so I just hope that a combination of, uh, you know, what we teach our kids when we have one-on-one time, and then also the way that we behave teaches them that, um, that life is a lot more important than what's around the edges. It's about what's in your soul and what's in your heart.
1: It's beautiful. Both of you shared such great insight there. So, do you have any words of encouragement to any young fathers that are out there, or actually any father in general that maybe right now is struggling in their fatherhood, uh, wondering if they're able going to be able to do a good job? Uh, maybe they're discouraged. Um, maybe they just have a lot of questions. Do you have any final encouragement? to dads out there?
2: Um, I would say um, all the feelings you're feeling, if it's discouragement, if you're struggling, if you're anxious, those are all very normal feelings. Um, And I would just, uh, my advice would be to stick with it, take some deep breaths, be patient, and and most importantly, just be present, presence for your children. It's so easy to get, you know, wrapped up in work and kind of balance that with everything else, but um, you know, be present with your children. Don't rush bedtime. Um, Just those moments really matter to the, to the kids. So, um, and ultimately they'll make you feel a lot better too. When you, when you take a little bit of extra time to spend with them. Um, So just stick with it.
3: Well said, Sam.
0: Yeah. I'd echo Tom. I think being present, having one-on-one time with individual kids is so critical, but I, I think that uh, dads are proud. And I think that advice that I would give to a young parent is seek help. You know, instincts won't get you all the way. Um, don't be too proud to ask your parents. Don't be too ask, proud to ask your friends. Don't be too proud to seek counseling. Um, it's a, it takes a village. And I think the community that you raise your kids in is as important, if not more important, than, uh, than your parenting. Um, and so I think having a humility uh, toward your approach is, is critical.
3: Well said
1: and great advice. And to every father that's out there, just remember you're not alone. You really have been given a gift in life that comes with responsibility. And we know what's inside of you. You do have something beautiful and strong to offer to your children. and. The children look to their fathers to be their protectors to be the ones who bring advice and friendship um, just to be playful with them and to just be their dad so we just want to celebrate fatherhood and i'll end with this quote being a father has been without a doubt my greatest source of achievement pride and inspiration fatherhood has taught me about unconditional love, reinforced the importance of giving back, and taught me how to be a better person. Tom and Sam, I can't thank you enough for all of the wisdom and insight that you shared today, your vulnerability, the funny stories. I've been deeply touched listening to both of you. And I want to thank all of you for coming and listening today today and joining us as we embrace, grow, and be transformed by the purpose and power of transitions.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Transition Bridge Podcast. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed listening today, please go ahead and subscribe or review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes. And for more information about Debbie, go to debbierongcutt.com.
3: That's D-E-B-I-R-O-N-C-A dot com.